You are listening to Educational Mountains. We help you climb them! Hi, welcome to the Educational Mountains podcast with Scott and Summer. Uh, this is a place where Summer and I can share our experience and passions around education. We hope that you enjoy our discussion this morning. It's a topic that uh, that I look forward to learning more about from uh, from you, Summer, and uh, that is exploring the topic of independent studies programs and homeschool. Uh, we're going to be delving into what the difference is, uh, what you could expect if you're evaluating these programs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we'll just have a really good discussion around that. Yeah, I just also want to apologize to you guys. We're, we woke up with a little, uh, just a little cold thing. I don't even know if it's a cold, it's just a cough. <laughs> 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 Sound a little froggy this morning. So, um, But, hey, we're here, and we're ready to give you some information and share some experiences, um, probably more that I have with um, independent study and homeschool. Just from a personal standpoint, and Scott's got a great um, professional perspective as well. So um, hang with us. We would appreciate that as far as the throat stuff. <clears throat> so yeah, let's get going. All right, so uh, one of the things that I've always uh, been curious about is what exactly is the difference between an independent study program and homeschool? So, there are a few differences. Um, I think a lot of uh, people really mesh them together um, if you've never done them yourself. Um, so, you know, we homeschooled our children um, last year. Well, not last year, what am I saying? It's been two years now. <laughs> um, in the one of my children were in kindergarten, the other one was like in pre-K, so um, <clears throat> we, I, I taught them for a year, um, and it was a really neat experience, I would say, um, but we went through something called, um, well, I think it was a charter school that we went through, and the program was, was technically called an independent study program. And it was called that because there, you go in, you get your child registered, and um, they are then um, only through the independent study portion. Well, if your child is doing independent study, it's only they're only taught intermittently by a credentialed teacher, um, and that teacher would meet with them, you know, a couple times a week to once a week, sometimes even every other just depending on how much supervision the child needs um, that child would take enrichment courses like um, uh, like hour-long classes maybe on math or computer or art um, at this place which my children did some of the enrichment classes however um, I did the homeschool version which is just a little different in that um, I have a this we have like a supervising credential teacher um, over me, but I do most of the the teaching mm. uh, for my child, um, like probably seventy percent of it um, at home. That's what I did with our kids. Um, it went it went great. It was it was not easy. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was a really fun experience, but as a 
oh, I'm not even a vetted homeschool teacher, but um, or a homeschool mom, but it's uh, it's a lot of work, and you have to constantly be thinking of how your child needs to, what way your child can learn best, and how you can modify your the way you teach so that they can. And um, you know, uh, thankfully, I had a great supervising um, credential teacher that did. Um, just give me a lot of resources and listen to me talk and mm-hmm. and share about my bad days and the hard stuff and um, also took a lot of joy uh, in it with us when uh, our kids got over you know struggles got through struggles and and um, started to really grow. So is one of the main differences with a homeschool program the like. The parent is coming up with the curriculum, and then with an independent studies <clears throat> program, um, the ones I'm familiar with, the students basically get a packet of information, or they get access to an online curriculum, and they complete the work, and they turn into their credential teacher once a week. Right, right. So with independent study, it's really just only the connection between the credential teacher and the student. And that's, I would say, primarily older children do that, like a probably fourth grade and up. Um, but you're going to find a lot of your homeschoolers, fourth you know, grade and down, um, because it's material that oftentimes parents, it's a little easier for them to teach. Yeah. Um, they feel, you know, like equipped. Um, but and then that, in those situations, like in mine, I, would, I had a supervising credential teacher that helped me along and help me figure out different ways to teach my children, but I did a lot of the teaching. Now, there is another type of homeschooling mm-hmm. that I think is what a lot of people think of when they think of homeschooling. And it is something that started, gosh, forever ago. I mean, if you listen to our last podcast, homeschooling has been going on forever. Yeah. Um, because that was the main source of education for students. That was like the only way they could they had access to education was to be taught by their parents in the beginning, um, since the beginning of time. So, um, and it wasn't, and as you, you know, just refer, just listen to the other podcast, you'll hear some history on public schools and when they came along and, and private schools. But um, anyway, going back to this other type of homeschooling that I think is what a lot of people think of when they think of home, home, homeschool. It's called... Um, it's, it's, it's called uh, private homeschooling. And in private homeschooling, there is um, a process that parents have to go to through these days. There's, there's laws put in place. Um, uh, probably around early, from what I read, about early 2000s, mm. um, those, homes, those official homeschooling laws took place. Um, but they you have to actually apply to have a to be a private homeschool and in that private homeschool setting you do not have to be conducted with your school district um, you do not have to use their curriculum you can use whatever curriculum you choose and find mm. you can go to seminars you can go to conferences and figure that out for you and your child and they they classify um a teacher you know an official teacher for a private homeschool program as anyone capable of teaching quote unquote so you don't even you don't have to have a teaching credential and looking into resources for your child as you see fit 
and teaching them in the way that you you feel that they need. That's what the private homeschooling. But there is still oversight. Um, to a degree, right? There's oversight in that you have to go through a process to become this type of school. Um, there's definitely some paperwork and, and rules that you have to adhere to. Um, you want to go down the list of them? Yeah, sure. Right. I think that that's important. Okay. So if you're wanting to become a private school, um, particularly in California, but a lot of states hold the same um, private, private homeschool um, process laws, um, is that you have to maintain attendance records showing the days your school is in session and noting the days your school, your students are absent. Um, number two is preparing a list of the courses of study offered based on the um, statutory requirements set forth in the education code. You also have to keep a list of the faculty and their qualifications, which can include short resumes of the teachers, including their education and their teaching experience. Um, so again, you don't have to have a credential, but you do have to share what experience and, and credentials that the teacher, uh, you know, I have a friend that homeschools and she is a teacher, she's a credentialed teacher, and uh, obviously if she wanted to do more of a private program, which she doesn't, she does an independent study, she could do a private homeschool and even teach her child very well in that setting, I think, being a credentialed teacher. Um, uh, keep a, okay, so the fourth one is requiring each teacher and employee to have a tuberculosis clearance. While there is some disagreement over um, whether a home-based private school teacher uh, teaching exclusively his or her children requires a tuberculosis clearance, we believe the better option is to complete a risk assessment with a doctor and any follow-up testing required. So you require a record that you talked, mm -hmm. consulted a doctor about whether or not you have TB is what you would need. Obtaining criminal record summaries on each employee unless all persons are teaching or working exclusively with your own children. So again, if you're just teaching your own children and not have any other children in your private home study area, then you're okay. You don't necessarily need a background check at this time. Um, obtaining a copy of the immunization records of, uh, of uh, each student is also something you need to have. Obviously, there are no requirements as far as the vaccines or immunizations um, for home study. Um, however, for independent study, there is it, because you're mm -hmm. working directly with the district. So you can expect if you're going to an independent study program um, or even a high, you know, like the combo version, like I had some independent study, but I was basically, I would be considered a homeschooler. When I taught my kids, I had to have their vaccination records and be up to date on their vaccinations. Um, so that's, you know, and make sure they were handed in before my kids could start the independent study program because they were still going to be around other kids mm -hmm. uh, when they go to their enrichment classes or when they go in to talk to, we go in to talk to the credential teacher that supervised me. Um, so that was important to have um, with me. And I think that's something that's definitely changed with the new laws with vaccinations in relation to kids' admittance to school mm -hmm. in the past few years. Um, so um, 
don't want you to be caught off guard, parents, with that whole concept. So unless you are you want to be classified and you want to go through the process of being a private homeschool, you have to have your vaccinations up to date, and you have to be willing and able to submit those to any independent study program that you choose. Um, yeah, I just don't want you to be caught off guard by that. Um, and I'm in support, I just wanted to share too, I'm in a lot of support of private homeschooling. Uh, my mom did that with mm -hmm. me up until, gosh, up until the laws started changing. Ed Code didn't even have independent study <coughs> in, their, in their laws until 1987. Well, the interesting thing... Uh, or 1989, excuse me. My parents didn't really homeschool me, but they did homeschool my older brother mm -hmm. for a little bit. And back in the 80s when mm -hmm. that was going on, um, and yours were in the same... They actually mm -hmm. created a school. Right. Yeah, my, right. my our school was Hilltop School. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think they got some sort of funding yeah. for... And curriculum and for uh, <clears throat> even some conferences and stuff that my parents yeah. could go to. It, I don't know yeah. all the details, but because there wasn't a lot of laws around homeschooling, you were allowed to homeschool your child. You just had to create that school. Like yeah. it was, it was like an it was like an official process of starting a school. Yeah, a public school, but it was at your home. Well, I remember even my yeah. dad talking about how yeah. they would get state audits and stuff yeah. that would actually come and in. Building inspections, he told me about. Yeah, and inspect so the curriculum, yeah. and inspect the buildings, yeah. stuff like that, you know, for, you know, the one student that they had, my brother. Yeah, he thought it was, he always <coughs>, laughs about it when he tells me that story because he says he thought it was funny because when the building inspector came out, he expected that he was going to be at a, at a real, like, big a commercial public school. And he was looking at your guys' cabin going, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, why yeah. am I here? Uh, and your dad just laughs about it every time. It was so funny to hear him tell that story. Yeah, it's interesting because even now, <laughs> though, looking at the funding aspect, yeah. which, is, which is interesting, and... Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, by no means am I a uh, expert, but I did do a little bit of research on uh, on these funding, and it really seems to be state by state, mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. upon how they'll fund the program or what you'll want to do. I know here mm -hmm. there are some independent studies programs, yeah, like the ones our kids went to, yeah, where the school gets a hundred percent of the money mm -hmm. from the state, yeah. And, but they offer programs, like they do offer art, and they yeah. offer music, and they offer actual classes that our kids could go to, and they did. They offer, obviously, all the services for special ed, for speech, for counseling. Right. They, had a, they had an on-site counselor if they ever needed it. And then there's programs really like yeah. what our neighbors do. Yeah. And that's an independent studies program where they still do the special ed services and yeah. things like that, but they actually give a check to the parents. Right. Where the parents get a por a portion of the 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 monies that the, the school state. gets mm -hmm. from the state, yeah. and the expectation is that they supply with that money their own mm -hmm. tutoring or their own music lessons or their own experiences, yeah. and they don't really offer those classes. 
However, yeah. they do still yeah. supply the services if needed for special and education. Even though she's a credentialed teacher, our neighbor, she also is overseen by another credentialed teacher right. as her supervisor, um, like supervising her, but obviously she's, you know. But then in other states. Not, not, well, just not to say, not to say that. I'm I, I'm just being clear. I'm not saying, um, yeah. Anyway, I just don't want to come come make it make it sound like I'm in any way down on parents who do not have a credential and are homeschooling their child. My mom didn't have a credential, but she did an amazing job um, up until she put us in independent study of, you know, finding resources for us and put taking us on field trips, making sure we just had a, every took mm-hmm. every opportunity that we could to learn and. She, you know, just went to curriculum conferences, making sure we mm-hmm. had what we had. So, kudos to you, uh, private homeschoolers as well. Just well, and it's interesting too with things like the voucher programs, which which people talk about, and you know, I yeah. hear a lot, but I really don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, and basically, so voucher is saying uh, instead of school districts and school counties getting monies for your students. Yeah. Some states, there's 14 states plus the District of Columbia that do voucher programs where basically you can opt to take that check or a a portion of that check as the parents and say, okay, I'm going to take this, you know, $10,000 a year that my student gets from the state and I'm going to apply that to a private school mm-hmm. or I can even apply that to uh, a homeschool program I believe right and, but it's very, it's, very it's all based on the state you're in <laughs> it does um, California does not give <clears throat> any funds uh, to private homeschoolers right they once, or private schools in general. Or private schools in general. Once you decide you are you are a private school, or even if you're under like your umbrella, um, it, you're doing an independent study program through a private, an official commercial private school in California. Um, <clears throat> if if that private school wants to give you funds, they can, but you will not get any from the state. That's just how they work, unfortunately. And, and, in California. and, and the even. Yeah. Most of the voucher programs, even the the ones that don't necessarily give anybody, they still have provisions for students with disabilities mm-hmm. where, say you have autism spectrum disorder or something like that, you can still get funding for services right. even if you go to a private school or an independent studies or a homeschool program, mm-hmm. whereas in California they don't do anything like that. No. So if not. you do elect <laughs> to go private... Or homeschool, you are giving well, up only pro homeschool private school. Right, right, right. right you right, are right. giving up services, right, um, of any kind, whether it just be funding for your kids who are in general ed or in special ed. Mm-hmm. Private homes, your classification of private homeschool will forfeit, will force you to forfeit any funding, period. Mm-hmm. Or any services, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are, I don't I don't know, I don't think we're the only state that does. I think there's a few others that do. But I'd say, I'd say at least 50% of the other states in the U.S. Uh, have funding for at least special education, even if you are a private homeschool. 
Um, I have to do a little more research to find out which of the states. I think those it's are. just these fourteen okay. that did the voucher. Well, I mean, I could. There might be some other form of funding, but I believe yeah, that that's what's being referred. Yeah, um, but it's it's just one of those interesting things where. Make sure you put that that article in our resources yeah, so they can see which states. Yeah, could offer those vouchers. It's it's just. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know what the right yeah. response is. You know, I've spent, I've spent, gosh, <laughs> a long time in the education system. I mean, basically, I've, I'm going on 30 years within the yeah. education system, whether as a, a student or a, uh, a professional, and uh, 12 years as a professional, and... Yeah. You know, I've worked at all sorts of different schools and all sorts of different capacities, and I don't know what the right answer is, you know, when it comes to these school choice laws and everything else. Like, yeah. there's a big part of me that that just looks at, at especially leveraging technology and the options that we have of, you know, why is it that we've determined mm -hmm. as a society, as a state, that, you know, every six-year-old needs to know this, and every seven-year-old needs yeah. to know that, and every eight-year-old needs to know this. And if you want to step out of that mm -hmm. paradigm and mm -hmm. say, oh, you know, my, my kid needs to be taught at a different pace right. or a different rate, and it might be that my student in third grade... Yeah is mathematically capable of algebra, right. but maybe is reading at a third grade level or maybe a second grade level. Maybe right. they're just taking a little bit longer to get those skills. Right. And there's no real way to accommodate that dynamic learning environment yeah. in a school setting. And the reality is every student mm -hmm. qualifies for that. Every student has that unique thing that captures them right. and they have unique strengths in and then they have weaknesses in and some students take longer than others and some students take yeah. faster than others and it's I don't know what the answer is yeah. because while at the same time I think that there should be provisions that say hey I want to you know I'm a credentialed teacher I'm a principal you're you're a credentialed counselor we have all this experience I want to be able to take my kid and and lead their educational experience mm -hmm. there's also a lot of people <laughs> who are not qualified yeah. for for that as well and, yeah. and so there's a lot of concerns there's a lot of concerns around abuse there's a lot of concerns around just you know i've seen i've seen kids who have been homeschooled for their elementary years and then they get to middle school or they get to high school um and all of a sudden their parents are like oh gosh i didn't do a good job teaching my kid i'm gonna stick him in school to, right. to figure this out and they're entering seventh grade with like a second grade education Right. You know, or something like that. Maybe they can't read, or maybe they just don't know what negative numbers are, or whatever. And right. that happens a lot too. And so, yeah, there's this challenging. The parents not balance. good at it, good at a particular subject, and they feel insecure about it, as maybe a private homeschooler 
um, homeschool parent, and so they just don't teach it. They're like, right. oh, well, I'm not going to worry about it. And then the child has issues, you know, when they want to go to college because, you know, a lot of parents, you know, they, they, they think a lot of higher education, and so they're like, the kids get into college, but then right. they struggle super hard in certain areas because right. those were gaps for them. And, and I, I, you know, I look at my mom. I really appreciated her um, and my dad. Like, they taught to their strengths, and then when I hit junior high is when they put me independent study, uh, which was pretty fresh after being born in 1980. You know, uh, 89 is when uh, independent study was put in Ed Code. So that was just a couple years before I went to junior high and when I was put in, in an official independent study program, which was very new in my um, area where we lived. And I was really thankful that they did that because... The, you know the, that's the prime time to pre, to be, start teaching the higher level math and um, and um, the more intense writing um, writing details mm-hmm. that you need as you go into high school and that eventually take you to college and and I was so thankful that my parents did that or, mm-hmm. and gave me those options because you know they struggled in some of those areas you know as they got into the higher level you know secondary mm-hmm. education part of it and and even a little bit in intermediate so um they didn't hesitate to say hey i'm not great at this um so now we're going to this other option that is Mm -hmm. thankfully now available to us um in independent study and being able to be taught by a credential teacher now what i found out uh which was interesting is not all independent study programs um, at that time when it first started happening in 1980, 18, ah, 1989 in the 90s were taught by credential teachers um, which was interesting but uh, as it got towards about 2000 so apparently the law was supposed to be by 1991 um, from this bill um, called 1987 homeschool that was the actual name of it um but it said that uh that independent city uh, would would be allowed um in you know in california and um eventually it all you know this this law um in our ed code for california uh, went for all 50 states so um homeschooling and independent study is now in all of 50 states it's allowed um anyway um this bill from the 1989 said that said that independent study would be able to start like the year of 1990 um to 91 in california it actually didn't independent state didn't get even put in ed code um officially just with all of its laws about credential teaching and everything till 2012 um, mm. which was interesting it takes a while to get it a bill through a long time. and get it put into law and into ed code um, for any state and our state for California is no exception um, so I'm sure a similar process happened in, in many of the other US states but possibly before well before um, the early 2000s as far as independent study being an official um, part of our public education system. Mm-hmm. 
so anyway, so my parents just just doting on them a little bit of how they uh, went through that process for me and made sure I had access to a lot of resources when we were homeschooling, private homeschooling, and then transitioned into the independent study pretty much almost as soon as it actually came, um, it, it, you know, was put into law an ed code for California. It was pretty great in my opinion. I'm thankful to them for that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, it's uh, interesting to see the process and how education has shifted yeah. over the course of the past couple decades. Uh, it's interesting to kind of think about what the future holds uh-huh. for things. Uh, there's more of these online schools coming out yeah, and that's, more of these platforms. Yeah. Which are national. A lot right. of those homes, those uh, infant study programs that are online. Yeah, I mean, I know more about too. the infant private. studies programs for like high schools, mm-hmm. and there's some really interesting stuff going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it goes into that what's pr- really preparing our students for for lifelong success. You know, I know yeah. the independent studies programs. I know about their primarily serve a student body of students who have not had success in their traditional school. So maybe they've been expelled, they're just failing out of a bunch of classes, and so it's kind of like their last option is these independent study school. But at the same time, what they're finding is they're really, really good for all students. And I mean... They're great, and there's so much more flexibility you yeah. can do. They can do internships at junior colleges. They yeah. can do in, they can do jobs, job embedded programs yeah. within the independent studies school. So that the student goes to school, and during their day, they go to their job, and right. it qualifies as part of their schooling. They can go take classes at community colleges or colleges, and that qualifies as part of their high school education. Well, did you know that even uh, public school, in public school, if you have, and I've done this for some students um, in a public school setting, but uh, if you have your a waiver signed by the school counselor and a guardian or parent, um, your student starting in junior high can take courses at a college mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Like a community college, and those those um, credits count towards their long term mm-hmm. college education. Well, and then that's the cool amazing. thing. Like mm-hmm. I know the program that I work with yeah. pretty closely. So it's, it's both is ways, yeah. they you know you graduate with your high school diploma and you can have graduate at the same time with like they have diesel mechanic licenses yeah. that's accredited through the local community college that's taught by the same professors and everything yeah. else or EMT or all these things so at 18 you can jump in yeah. and that's such an opportunity totally. you know I say this there's other ways of managing life and having success than the traditional way that we think of one of the most successful people I know they were he and his wife were homeschooled their whole life yeah. um, good good friends of, of ours they went to college young, like eight, like 16, 17, something like that. Mm-hmm. They went straight to a two-year community, a two-year private community college uh, uh, law school. They both passed the bar when they were like 19, I think it was. 
mm-hmm. and start working as lawyers. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you think of the traditional route that I have many, many lawyer friends. You know, you look at that, graduating high school at 18, getting your bachelor's degree at 22, going off to, to, to grad school, law school for another two, three years, passing the bar, you know, they're entering their field at 25, yeah. 26, 27, and these guys entered at 19, 20. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so they're, that competition, they have six, seven years of experience right. already in the field. They're very successful lawyers uh, meet people. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great people, and they've had, they've had success and everything. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I think that we, and, you know, this was back in the, in mm-hmm. the 90s, you know, and now leveraging technology and things like that, it really opens the door to, you know, on my iPad, yeah. I have access through iTunes U or something to actual courses, actual Harvard courses, Stanford yeah. courses, Yale courses, yeah. all the material, all the pre-recorded uh, lectures, everything else for free, right? For free by the best educators in the world. You look at Khan Academy and things like that. Free programs for teaching yeah. math and coding and these oh, these nice. skills, and yeah. they're ex- exceptional. Yeah. And I just I I have to imagine that that either either. Well, we're going to have to see some significant changes in how education is offered in the next few years. I have to say, though, honey, one thing I am definitely proud of California in this way is um, I'd say more than any other state, and this is just by, you know, doing my own research, but um, more than any other state, California, they may not offer funding and special services for private homeschooling, which I, that makes me sad, (laughs) very sad. Um, I do understand the pros and cons of it, you know, and the risks, but uh, I am, uh, so I'm, I'm not, I won't share those at the moment, but, um, but I do appreciate that they have lots of versatility in the kind of, of independent study programs we offer, um, and, the, you know, we have private schools, we have public schools, uh, we have, you know, and there are so many different ones connected with charters, independent and dependent, which we'll lead into our next podcast. We'll explain those a little more, but um, then there's also private charters as well. There's just, we have all these, and online education, like you were saying, there's just so many different (coughs) options that we allow here in California as opposed to a lot of states. And I think that we need to be thankful for that. Um, It really can, I mean, if a parent chooses, to place their child in one of those different forms of uh, learning besides um, just your standard traditional public system, um, then you have some great options out there today. I think they could get better, but I think, you know, we can always grow and, and change, but I just, I'm proud of California that way. Um, we, we are blessed in that way for sure. Um, wanted to hit the Q&A before we start to wrap this up. I hear the kids are stirring. The kids, I, yeah, so. they've been stirring for a little while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been privy to a little bit of that. We tried to, to quiet it down a little bit. Hopefully it, it didn't um, 
disrupt your listening too much, but we love them, and you know, it's this. Uh, we're we're all together here as a family, and and figuring this out. So you get to be part of that as well. <laughs> Experience that a little bit. Um, so our Q of A Q and A here, we had some questions um, that carried over from our last podcast, just because this was the questions that a couple listeners, um, Jana and Lucy, asked about. Uh, you know the different each of the different forms of education that we have here in the U.S. Um, and their question was, um, independent. Uh, which kind of schooling offers the best options for special needs students? Mm-hmm. So, in per, you know, just pertaining to the two topics we were discussing today, homeschooling and independent study, um, that it really depends on. On uh, whether you go private homeschooling, as you heard, or if you do independent study or just regular homeschooling. Um, if you're doing independent study and regular homeschooling, you're going to get services, the standard services that you would normally from your school district, and you can request those. You That's your legal right. Um, if you are a private homeschooler and you have gone through the application process and following the standards, obviously, of that protocol, um, then you do not, you are forfeiting your SPED funds, your special education funds, um, unfortunately. Um, so you will have to foot the bill, at least in California, and unless you're in those 14 states that Scott was, will post on our uh, mm-hmm. resources of which ones those are, you get vouchers for those. I think it's also kids. important uh, when we're talking about special needs students, the IEP team and the IEP process is there for a reason. Yeah. It's really meant to be a collaborative process where the parents can be involved, you get professionals in yeah. the meeting. And I I'm a big advocate of the process mm-hmm. and it has flaws, but my encouragement is to address concerns with the IEP team. Mm-hmm. And there are options, there's a lot of options that give a lot of freedom and really meet your, your child's needs. Yeah. Not a lot of control, it's, it's just, it's a really, truly parents, those of you who are afraid, <coughs> you're private homeschoolers, and you're feeling like, oh, they're just going to have so much oversight over your child, it really, truly is about options. And hearing the parent, hearing the student, you really have, with the No Child Left Behind Act, you have so much power to... Uh, be an advocate for your child mm-hmm. and just get those services that you need to get through the day and that you know your child needs to become more independent as they grow mm-hmm. into an adult. So try not to be afraid of them. I mean, my heart just goes out to you with um, with the challenges you're going to have, um, but but know that there's support yeah. and encouragement there. And so when it looks at what schooling offers the best option, that's going to be so dependent on on the individual needs of your child yeah. and you know it's not a flat blanket statement mm-hmm. it is important to know the laws within your state uh, especially around special education mm-hmm. and the limiting factors yeah. um, like like we mentioned currently if you're in California or one of the other 26 states that do not have a voucher program mm-hmm. um, 36 states, excuse me, 
then you uh, you are forfeiting all yeah. the funding for, for the state. And that can be really hard. A lot. You know, a lot if you look at shoulders. a state like Ohio, <laughs> they get twenty seven thousand dollars per student yeah. for the voucher for autism. Right. Uh, autism spectrum disorder. And so that's 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 a lot. So um, Yeah, you gotta take advantage of that that money and that the resources that that you that you um, probably very mm-hmm. much need. Um, so our next question is who makes on a on an independent study because that's what we're talking about in homeschool level um, and private homeschool who makes sure each level teacher principal director therapist is meeting the students IEP 504 um, uh, goals and is it uh, being followed and standards met who listens follows up on parent student concerns so it's kind of a combo question I can just say if you're doing private homeschooling it is completely directed by the parent the parent oversees all that and obviously um, um, helps their child follow through any goals that they've made together and if they have paid for any outside resources then they again they direct the the how those goals are going to be met and um, if there's going to be any meetings involved in that but I'll let you take it away on the uh, the names of the positions of people who keep hold accountable um, are held accountable hold the situation accountable and the student accountable and the therapist mm-hmm. and all that for like say an independent study program or a homeschool public program. Well, and this is again I'm going to go to the IEP team because the IEP yeah. team is composed of all of these people. Yeah, the IEP team. You have your teacher, yeah. you have your student, you have your parent, you have your administrator for the school, you have, uh, you know, whatever services are required. Maybe it's a speech and language therapist, they'll be involved in that. Maybe it's a psychologist, maybe it's a whatever, whatever it might be. But that is the, per- the, the team is there for the accountability component. And if... If that if the team is not being adhered to, mm-hmm. and this does happen, you know if you go to IEP meetings and it's you the parent the child and uh, and the teacher, let's say, <clears throat> and you feel like this your you, the services aren't being met for your student. That's the accountabilities on the parent, and that's why there are advocacy programs, and there are it is your legal right to ensure that the needs of your student is being met. It is the legal responsibility of the school um, to make sure that that's happening. It gets tricky, um, but if there's concerns, there are really good child advocacy groups mm-hmm. out there. I have a friend of mine who is a lawyer for one of those, mm-hmm. um, and you know, ultimately, uh, it's the legal responsibility of the school to supply those. So if, if those aren't being met, then as a parent, you have you have the right to take action to take action <laughs> and actually have legal representation. At IEP meetings I've as well. I've seen that before. As have I. And if, uh, yeah. as a case manager, you never want that to happen. Right. But at the same time, that definitely lights a fire. Um, 
and uh, you'll get whoever you want at that meeting if you're walking in with a lawyer. Uh, I, I again, that's an aggressive stance. Uh, I don't say that for everybody, but you know, it, it's a team effort. It is a team effort. And I will say, I have been in meetings where the parent has brought in the lawyer, yeah. and the lawyer has shut the parent down. Yeah, which is and, good. And has said, hey, yeah, you know, this school is actually fulfilling their legal obligation right. and going above and beyond. And, you know, and that's the job of the lawyer. The right. lawyer is there to ensure that the law is being followed. Right. So, you know, it's not a carte blanche thing, but... But it's there, and there there are uh, services provided for that. Thank you, honey. Um, our last question, I thought it was a really good one, and just, I think, definitely a question that a lot of people don't know the answer to, and I didn't until recently, but also, um, what is, uh, who, who makes, who holds a private school accountable to give a student the proper grade level education? And when it comes to our particular, the particular types of schooling we've been going over today, when it comes to private homeschooling, um, again, it is the parent that holds, that holds themselves accountable, really, to make that happen. There is no oversight currently from any of the 50 states uh, to say to a private homeschooling parent, you can, there isn't, I know my husband's giving me this look like, are you sure? And I'm saying no, it's even in California, and we're probably one of the uh, the ones that are most uh, structured in that those the setting of those rules. And we do not hold homeschool uh, parents accountable for the grade level education if they are classified as a private homeschool, and they have gone through that the application process and are following the law <coughs> uh, that that I mentioned earlier for a private homeschool. Um, and if you are, maybe you are a private homeschooler that is connected with an actual private school um, and they are your umbrella, then it would be your administration at that private homeschool mm -hmm. that would be the ones that hold the parent accountable for teaching grade level standards to that student. And I would say, again, Parent involvement is so key to these things. The standards are public. Yeah. You can address what standards are being assessed for your students' curriculum and their learning experience. Um, and they should be. I mean, there's no reason why, yeah. why the standards shouldn't be addressed in any sort of uh, program. Yeah. If, that's, if that's your concern. And the, the standards are pretty clear. You know, if you look at an English standard, it'll say, you know... 2.4, and that lets you know it should be basically second grade, yeah. uh, kind of in the, somewhere in the middle of the second grade. I mean, it's pretty yeah. uh, pretty clear on how those are run. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the middle of the second grade, but, you know, it's... It tells you where they need to be at, and you can get adjust those as far as your child's learning ability yeah. and their or their successes or what they're especially good at. Yeah, but the, a lot of differentiation will come in for students. It'll sure. be interesting to see, again, how, how that changes in the future. Yeah. 
So we're going to wrap this up, but we so appreciate you all for listening. Absolutely. And I hope that we have answered a lot of questions and uh, queries. And if you could, you know, put your comments in our um, uh, the comment section on our on the podcast, that'd be great. Any questions you have, we'd love to answer them in the near future. And um, we read those. Um, and again, um, thank you for listening. Honey, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, you know, we're, uh, just as a reminder, all of the information is going to be on our website, educationalmountains.com. Mm-hmm. Some uh, additional information, links to resources. Um, also, please remember to, uh, to subscribe. Uh, toss a review if you can. Oh, yeah. Makes a big difference. Yeah, we podcast, do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do some five-star reviews on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll continue these, these uh, conversations around uh, educational yeah. options for students. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments, you can find more information about us in Educational Mountains at educationalmountains.com. And uh, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Remember to ask questions and have discussions and take action. Have an amazing week. You are listening to Educational Mountains. We are-